Chapter Five of A Knight of the White Cross by G. A. Henty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five, Scourges of the Sea. Breathless and faint from their tremendous exertions, the knights removed their helmets. By Saint Mary, Sir Lewis said. This has been as hard a fight as I have ever been engaged in, and well may we be content with our victory. Well fought, my brave comrades. Each of these vessels must have carried twice our number at least, and we have captured four of them. But I fear the cost has been heavy. Struck down by sword, arrow, or thrust of spear, of the rest but few had escaped unwounded. For strong as was their armor, the keen Damascus blades of the Muslims had in many cases cut clean through it, and their daggers had found entry at points where the armor joined, and now that the fight was over, several of the knights sank exhausted on the deck from loss of blood. But the dressing of wounds formed part of a knight of St. John's training. Those who were unwounded unbuckled the armor and bandaged the wounds, Others fetched wine and water from the galley. The chains of the galley slaves were removed, and these were set to clear the decks of the Muslim corpses. The anchors were dropped, for what little wind there was drifted them towards the shore. They had learned from a dying pirate that the vessels were part of the fleet of Hassan Ali, a fact that added to the satisfaction felt by the knights at their capture, as this man was one of the most dreaded pirates of the Levant they learned that he himself had not been present the expedition being under the command of one of his lieutenants who had fallen in the fight now comrades let us in the first place take food we have not broken our fast this morning then let us consider what had best be done for indeed we have got as much in our hands as we can manage but let us leave that till we eat and drink for we are faint from want of food and from our exertions. But we shall have to eat what comes to hand, and that without cooking, for our servants all joined the pirates when they boarded us, and are either dead or are ashore there. The meal was made of bread and fruit, and this with wine sufficed to recruit their energies. It seems to me, comrades, Sir Lewis said when all had finished, that the first thing is to search the holds of these vessels and see what valuables are stored there. These may be all carried on board one ship and the others must be burnt, for it is clear that, as there are four of them, we cannot take them to Rhodes, and even with one and our galley we should fare but ill if we fell in with two or three more of Hassan's ships. But how about the pirates on shore, Sir Lewis? A knight asked. There are very many who could not get off their ships during the fight, and scores must have swum ashore. I should say that there must be full two hundred, and it will be a grievous thing for the islanders if we leave them there. It is certain, the commander said, that we are not strong enough to attack them, for were we to land, a party would have to be left on board, or the pirates might elude our search, seize some fishing boats, and regain possession. Certainly we are in no position to divide our forces. Methinks, Sir John Boswell said, that the best plan would be to send a boat manned with ten galley slaves 
taking two or three of us to the rendezvous to fetch hither the other two galleys with their aid we might take all the four ships safe into port after first clearing the island of these pirates it is but forty miles away and eight hours rowing would take us there there was a general murmur of assent for all wished that the trophies of their bravery should if possible be carried to rhodes that will certainly be the best plan sir john though it may detain us here for two or three days even more for it is quite uncertain when the other two galleys may put into the rendezvous will you yourself undertake the mission with pleasure how many will you take with you two will be sufficient for we shall have no fighting to do as we shall have to trust to our speed if we fall in with an enemy i will take with your permission sir ralph harcourt and sir gervase tresham both of whom have to-day fought with distinguished bravery indeed i owe my life to them for more than once when i was hotly pressed they freed me from my assailants truly none bore themselves better in the fray than they did three or four others joined in hearty commendations of the two young knights indeed one said i was greatly surprised to see how tresham bore himself he is but a lad with scarce one would think strength to hold his own in such a fray it chanced that he was next to me in the circle and for a time i kept my eye on him thinking he might require my aid but i soon saw that i need not trouble myself on his account for he wielded his weapon as doughtily as the best knight of the order could have done and one of the proofs is that while most of us bear marks of the conflict he has escaped without scratch i trust sir lewis that when you give an account of the fighting you will specially mention that this the youngest knight of the order bore himself as stoutly as any of them i say this sir john not being of your lang i can speak more warmly than you can do of his skill and bravery i thank you de boise sir john boswell said and i am proud that my young countryman should have so gained your approbation and now he went on while the galley slaves are getting a meal which they have right well earned to-day i should like to see what there is under the hatches of these ships so that i can give our comrades in the other galleys some idea of the value of this booty we have taken they rose from the table and going on board the prizes lifted the hatches beware de boise exclaimed looking down into the hold when the first hatch was taken off there are people below a chorus of cries followed his exclamation they are the voices of women and children sir lewis exclaimed they must be captives this turned out to be so in the holds of the four ships were found over a hundred and fifty women and children these had been brought on board in the first boatloads by the pirates and when the christian galley had been seen coming round the point had been thrust below and the hatches thrown over them they had heard the din of battle above but knew not how the conflict had terminated and being afraid to cry out had remained silent until on the hatch being lifted they had seen the figures of christian knights standing in the bright sunshine all had come from the village on the other side of the island they related how the pirates had suddenly burst upon them had slaughtered all the men set fire to the village and had driven them before them across the island to the ships the poor creatures were delighted at their escape from slavery but at the same time were full of grief at the loss of husbands 
fathers and sons. Some laughed, others cried, while some thanked God for their rescue. Others heaped imprecations upon the authors of their misfortunes. The knights explained to them that for a short time they must remain on board, as half the pirates were still on shore, but that aid would soon arrive that would enable them to clear the island. Half an hour later, Sir John Boswell, with the two young knights, started in a rowing boat manned by ten of the galley slaves. The wind had sprung up since the fight ceased, and as it was nearly astern, they anticipated that they would make a good passage and be at the little islet named as the place of rendezvous before nightfall. Among the many bales of rich merchandise in the hold of the pirate vessels, an abundance of wine had been discovered, and of this tankard had been given to each of the slaves by Sir Lewis's orders, as a token of satisfaction at their work in the morning. They had gone some two miles when from one of the inlets in the island they had left, a large fishing boat was seen to issue out. By St. George! Sir John exclaimed, That boat must be full of pirates, and if they see us which they cannot help doing, and take it in their heads to chase us, we shall have a hard time of it. The fishing boat for a few minutes kept along the coast, and then suddenly her course was altered, and her head directed towards their boat. Now stretch to your oars, Sir John, who spoke some Turkish, said to the slaves. Keep ahead of that boat, and I promise you on my honor as a Christian knight, that I will myself purchase your freedom as soon as we get to Rhodes. With a shout of delight, the galley slaves bent to their oars, and the boat flew along at a greatly increased speed. There is but a small chance of our getting away, Sir John said quietly. At present we must be rowing as fast as they sail. But wind never tires, while well, there are limits to the powers of muscle and bone. If those fellows follow us, and I doubt not that they will, for they must be thirsting for vengeance, they will overtake us long before we get to the rendezvous, and even did we reach it, the chances are that we should not find either of the galleys there. We must hold on as long as we can, and as a last resource must run ashore. Unfortunately, there are no large islands on our way nor have we any hope of assistance from our friends behind. The inlet looks east, and they will know nothing of our danger, nor if they did could they help us. The galley is short-handed now, and there are the captured ships to look after, and the captives we rescued. We have only ourselves to depend on. At the end of an hour's rowing, the boat astern had gained little, but the exertions of the rowers were telling severely upon them. They were still doing their best, but their breath came in short gasps. The rowing was getting short and unsteady, and there was a sensible decrease in the speed of the boat. Three miles ahead of them was an islet about half a mile in diameter. In some parts it was covered with foliage, but elsewhere it was bare rock. That must be our goal, Sir John said. They will be close to us by the time we get there. Then he said to the rowers, Stop for a minute to get breath. We will land at that islet ahead, and I shall hold to my promise if we get there in time. Those of you who like can remain in the boat until your countrymen come up. Those who choose can leave the boat and hide yourselves as best you may. I leave the choice to yourselves. If we are overtaken and fall, I cannot keep my promise, and it will be best then for you to remain in the boat. For three or four minutes the slaves bent forward over their oars, 
but as soon as Sir John gave the word, they straightened themselves up and began rowing again. The rest had done them good, and they again fell into a long, steady stroke. Shall we buckle on our armor again? Sir Ralph Harcourt asked, for they had not put it on when they left the ship, as the heat was very great. I think we had better don our mail shirts only, and climbing about that rock ahead of us, the less weight we carry the better, and with this heat I would rather fight unprotected than in cask and armor. Besides, there can be little doubt that if they come upon us, it will be our last battle. That craft behind us is crowded with men, and armor and no armor, it will come to the same in the end. If it were not that we have a mission to fulfill, and that it is of all things important to send the galleys to aid our friends. I would say let us choose a spot at the foot of the rocks there, where they cannot attack us in the rear, and there fight it out as becomes knights of the cross. But as it is our duty, above all things, to carry this message, we must strive to preserve our lives, and must, if we can, conceal ourselves from these paynims. What are you going to do? Sir John asked the slaves, when they were within a quarter of a mile of the islet. I should think after we have left the boat it will be best for you to sit quietly on your benches till our pursuers arrive. They would cut our throats at once, Sir Knight. They will be furious at our having given them so long a chase. Hassan Ali's men care little whom they slay, and irritated by their misfortune, it will be not to them whether we are Muslim or Christian. I, for one, shall take to the woods and hide. There was a chorus of assent among the other rowers. I trust that you may escape, the knight said. It is for us they will be hunting, and if they catch and slay us, they will not trouble to search the island further. It seems to me, Sir John, Gervais said, that with the aid of these good fellows we may yet have a chance of escape. What is your plan, Sir Gervais? I think, Sir John, that if, when we land, we climb straight up that hill, in full sight of the shore, the pirates, when they see us, will follow at once. The slaves should, therefore, be safe for a time if they hide in that wood to the left of the spot we are making for. Will you tell them to keep down by the water's edge among the bushes, and that after crossing that crest, we will try to make a dash round so as to join them there? Tis probable that most of the pirates will start in pursuit of us and if we and the slaves make a rush for the shore, we may seize our boat, push off, and capture their craft. If there are but a few left on board, knock out a plank and scuttle her, and then row away. By St. George, your plan is a good one, Tresham. A right good scheme, and we will try it. He at once translated what Gervaise had said to the rowers, by whom it was received with short exclamations of approval for they were too breathless and exhausted for talk. Already they could hear the yells of the pirates, who, as the boat ran up on the beach, were but a quarter of a mile behind. Now away for that wood, Sir John cried as he leapt ashore. Now, comrades, for a climb up the hill. It was a steep ascent, and more than once one had to be helped up by the others, and then in turn to assist them to get up beside him. Louder and louder rose the shouts of the pirates, but the knights did not glance back until they reached the top of the hill. Then they turned and looked round. A swarm of men were climbing after them, and were already halfway up the cliff. Heave them down, Sir John exclaimed, pointing to some loose rocks. 
and set the example by lifting a great stone and hurling it over the edge. Harcourt and Gervais at once did the same, and twenty or thirty rocks were speedily sent rolling down the steep ascent, and yells, shouts, and cries were heard below. That will check them a bit. Now let us be off, Sir John Boswell said, and they at once started. After crossing a hundred yards of bare rock, they stood at the edge of another slope into a deep valley, beyond which rose the central hill of the island. The valley ran right across, and was filled with trees extending to the sea at either end. Running rapidly down, the knights were within the shelter of the wood before the Muslims had reached the brow behind them. A minute later they heard the shouts of their enemies. Once in the wood, they turned to the left, and in a few minutes stood on the seashore. It was a little bay some two hundred yards across, and at either point the cliffs rose abruptly from the water. "'We shall have to swim round the point,' Sir John said. "'Take off your mail shirts. We will make our way along the rocks as far as we can, and then drop them into the sea. Otherwise they will know that we have taken to the water.' They hurried along the rocks, and were able to make their way to within fifty yards of the point, then throwing their mail shirts into the sea, they plunged in. All knew the importance of getting round before any of the pirates who would be searching the valley came down on the shore, and they swam their hardest until they rounded the corner. The wood rang with the shouts of their pursuers, but no yell had risen from the water's edge. A hundred yards farther, and they were able to land and were in a short time in the shelter of the trees that fringed the water to the point where they had left the boat. There was no longer any occasion for speed, and they made their way through the thick bushes and undergrowth quietly until they recovered breath after their exertions. They had gone a few hundred yards when from the bushes the slaves suddenly rose up. All has gone well, Sir John said to them in their own language. The pirates are searching for us on the other side of the hill. There are not likely to be many of them left here. We shall soon be in possession of our boat again. Followed by the slaves, they made their way forward until they stood at the edge of the wood. Five or six pirates were standing on the shore. I expect they have been left there, Harcourt said, to prevent the slaves from carrying off the boat. They must have seen them run into the wood. They won't reckon on our being with them. Drawing their swords, the three knights rushed out, followed by the slaves. They had but a hundred yards to run. The pirates, on seeing them, raised a yell and drew their scimitars, but the sight of the knights rushing upon them, when they had expected but a few unarmed rowers, was too much for their courage, and when their assailants were still fifty yards away, they turned and fled. The fishing craft had been run ashore but a few yards from their boat. Get her afloat, Harcourt, and bring her to the stern of the fishermen. Now, Tresham, follow me. Sir John Boswell climbed up on the fishing boat, which was a craft of some fifteen tons burden. She was entirely deserted, but the sail still hung from the yard, and a fire was burning on a stone hearth, raised on some logs of wood in the center of the deck. Look for something to stave in a plank, Tresham. Gervais leaped down into the hold. There were some nets and spare sails lying there, but nothing that would answer the purpose. He examined the planks. The boat was very strongly and roughly built. There is nothing here, Sir John, that will do, 
and nothing short of a heavy sledgehammer would suffice to smash one of these planks. There are a lot of them coming down the hill, Tresham. We have not many minutes to spare, but we must disable the craft. They will soon be after us again. They have run her hard and fast here, but when they all come back they will soon get her off. Let us try one of these sweeps. He lifted one of the heavy oars, and holding it upright, he and Gervais together tried to drive the handle through the bottom. Again and again they raised it and drove it down, but the plank was too strong and too securely fastened to the timbers. We must give it up, the knight said with a sigh. Fortune has befriended us so far, Tresham, but she has deserted us at last another three minutes, and we shall have thirty or forty of them upon us. At this moment the lad's eye fell upon the fire. We shall manage yet, he exclaimed, and seizing a blazing brand, he jumped below and set fire to the sails stowed there. They were as dry as tinder, and the flames shot up at once. That is good, Tresham, the knight said. But they will put it out before it has caught the boat. Not before it has burnt the sails, Gervais replied. Now for this one. And he applied the brand to the lower edge of the great sail. Without a word, Sir John seized the other brand and fired the sail on the other side of the deck. The flames flashed up and a wild yell of rage and alarm broke from the pirates who were now rushing down towards the beach. Now to the boat, Tresham. We have no time to lose if we would avoid being pounded with stones. They dropped over the stern into the boat. The galley slaves dipped their oars into the water, and she shot away just as the foremost of the pirates reached the edge of the water. A few stones were thrown, but the pirates were so anxious about the craft, by which alone they could escape from the island, that the majority at once climbed on board. At a word from the knight, the slave stopped rowing a hundred yards from the shore. The sail was already consumed, and the yard and the upper part of the mast were in flames. A dense smoke was rising from the hold, and the pirates were throwing buckets of water down into it. In a few minutes, the smoke decreased. I thought that they would be able to put it out. But as far as we are concerned, it matters little. They have lost their sails, and as I saw but four sweeps, we can travel five miles to their one. If we find the galleys, we will look in here on our way back, and if they have not left, we will fire that craft more effectually. And then the pirates will be trapped, and we can leave them till we have fetched off Sir Lewis and his prizes, and then have a grand hunt here. We took no prisoners before, and a hundred slaves will be a useful addition to our wall builders. Now, Tresham, I have to thank you warmly, for Harcourt and I doubly owe our lives to you. It was thanks to your quickness of wit that we regained our boat, for I would not have given a ducat for our chances had you not thought of that scheme. In the second place, we would assuredly have been overtaken again, had it not been for your happy thought of crippling them by burning their sails. By St. George Harcourt, this young countryman of ours is as quick and as ready of wit as he has shown himself a brave and gallant fighter. We have no lack of sturdy fighters, but the wit to devise and to seize upon the right thing in the moment of danger is vastly more rare. As for myself, I have no shame that this lad, who is young enough to be my son, should have thus, twice in a single hour, pointed out the way to safety. With sword and battle-axe I can, I trust, hold my own with any man. 
but my brain is dull when it comes to hatching schemes. If we live, we shall see Gervais one of the most distinguished knights of the order. Well, I feel gratified indeed, as I may well be by your commendation, Sir John. I must, under your favor, say that you have given me a far greater degree of credit than is my due. There was the fire, and there was the sail, and the thought that the one would destroy the other was simply a natural one, which might have occurred to a child. As to the plan about the boat, seeing that there was the hill and the wood, it flashed upon me at once that we might make a circuit and come back to her. Just so, lad, but those thoughts did not flash upon my mind, nor upon that of Harcourt. It is just because those sort of ideas do flash upon the minds of some men, and not of others, that the first rise to the rank of distinguished commanders, while the others remain simple knights who would play their part in a charge, or in the defense of a breach, but would be of no account as leaders. Now row along steadily, men, he went on, speaking to the slaves. We are still in good time, for it was not an hour from the moment we touched the island to our departure from it. And much of that time we have gained by the speed with which you rowed before. At any rate, we shall make out the island before sunset, and whether we arrive there a little sooner or later matters little. Harcourt, hand me that wine-skin and a goblet. A draught will do us good after our climb and swim, and these good fellows will be none the worse for a cup also. Inspired with the hope of freedom, the slaves rode steadily, and the sun had just set when they entered a little inlet in the rocky isle that was their place of rendezvous. Thanks be to the saints! Sir John exclaimed as they reached the entrance. There is Santoval's galley. There was a stir on board the galley as the boat was seen approaching. The knights had put on their armor, which they had found still lying in the boat. The pirates, in their haste to pursue, having left her unexamined, while those who had remained on guard had abstained from touching anything until the return of their captain and comrades. Whence come you, Sir John? And what is the news? No misfortune has befallen, records galley, I hope. The Spanish knight in command shouted, as the boat came near enough for him to recognize the features of its occupants. All is well, Sir John shouted back. But we have taken more prizes than we can manage, though not without hard fighting. Seven knights have fallen, and at least ten others will not be able to buckle their armor on again for some time to come. So I have been sent here to beg your assistance, and it is well that it should be given speedily, for if more pirates' vessels come up before you join, Record and his companions will be in sorry plight. By this time the boat had reached the side of the galley, and as Sir John and his two companions stepped on board, the knights crowded round to hear the details of the news. Exclamations of approval and satisfaction arose when Sir John related the incidents of the fight, and told them that the four vessels that had fallen into their hands formed part of Hassan Ali's fleet. That is good news indeed, Boswell, Don Santiful said and I would I had been there to take part in so gallant a fight. It is well you found us here, for with four prizes on hand and with half his strength dead or disabled, Rickard must be in sore need of aid. We will start tomorrow morning at daybreak, as all the ships were taken. There is little fear of any of the other pirates hearing news of what has happened. I don't know, Sir John replied, 
There were, as I told you, some two hundred pirates left on the island. About half of these, we know, seized a fishing boat and escaped, for they chased us, and we have had as narrow an escape from death as has ever fallen to my lot, though I have been in over a score of hard-fought battles. The rest may well have taken another fishing boat and made off also, for we saw several craft along the shores of the island. If so, they may have made for Hassan Ali's rendezvous, wherever that may be, just as I made here, and by this time some of his ships may be on the way there. By St. Anthony, this alters the situation gravely, Don Santaval said. Fellow knights, we must lose no time in going to Rickord's assistance. The slaves have had a long row today, but they must start on another. Let them have a good meal to strengthen them, and a cup of wine each. Whatever their scruples at other times, they never refuse wine when there is heavy work to be done knowing full well that a draught of it helps them mightily in their labours. Your men must have rode well, Sir John, to have brought you here so quickly. I have promised them their freedom, Sir John said, and they shall have it, even if I have to pay their value into the treasury. As I told you, we were hotly pursued, for the craft with her sail went faster than we with our oars, and knowing the importance of bringing the news here, I encouraged them by promising them their freedom should we get away. Not only did they row right manfully, but they proved faithful in our extremity, and when all seemed lost, stuck to us instead of deserting and joining the pirates. But how did you get away, Sir John, if their craft outsailed you? I owe my life entirely to the quick wit of my young countryman, Sir Gervais Tresham here. And Sir John then related the incidents of their adventure on the island, his narrative eliciting warm expressions of approval from the knights. "'Of course you will go with us, Boswell,' Don Santival said, when the master of the slaves announced that these had eaten their meal and were ready. "'I must do so,' Sir John replied. "'I want you on your way to look in at that island where we had so narrow an escape, and if we find their craft still there we can destroy it. The place is directly in our course. We shall therefore lose but little time in looking in. Of course, they may have gone as soon as they got their vessel afloat, but it is hardly likely. They would have no idea of my returning with a galley so soon, and will probably set to make a dozen more oars before they start, for she had but four on board, which will scarce suffice to send her a mile an hour through the water. Therefore, I fancy they will not put off until tomorrow morning. If that is so, and we destroy their craft, they will be trapped in the islet, and on our return, we can capture them all. I think of leaving Harcourt and Tresham in the boat in order that when Piccolomini's galley comes in, they may direct him also to join us. He may be in at any moment. We met him three days since. He had captured a pirate and sent her off under charge of ten of his knights. We agreed to meet him this evening, and as he is not here, he will probably be in the first thing in the morning. Gervais and Harcourt took their places in the boat again. The galley got up its anchor and started. Just as she reached the mouth of the inlet, another galley rounded the point and nearly ran into her. I am going to Ricord's assistance, Piccolomini, Don Santoval shouted. Is it urgent? The commander of the galley shouted back. We have had a very long row and can go no farther unless his strait is a very sore one. No, come in the morning, 
you will hear all the news from a boat lying two hundred yards astern two young english knights are waiting in her to give you the news record has made a fine capture row on men and the galley proceeded on her way while the newcomer proceeded up the harbour harcourt and gervais at once went on board and the former gave the italian commander an account of the battle that had taken place and the capture of the four pirate vessels after the exclamations of satisfaction by the knights had ceased he recounted their own adventures which were heard with lively interest i hope indeed that santoval will burn that fishing boat and that we shall capture the pirates the commander said we have need of more slaves to carry out the works at Rhodes. now let us to supper gentlemen and then to sleep in six hours we will be off again for if some more of these villains have escaped and carried the news to hassan ali our swords may be sorely needed by record and santoval to-morrow End of chapter 5 of A Knight of the White Cross Recording by Peter Strong in Sabetha, Kansas on December 25th, 2018